Welcome, welcome, and Happy New Year. This is I4O coming at you guys with episode 33. Uh, to get things started, uh, we have a lot of news over the last couple of weeks. Um, just to read off some of the lists, there's some issues with uh, border agents, um, SpaceX news, uh, some news from India, some security issues they're going through, um, and CES this year. So there's a it's that time of year again. It's it's Christmas part two for nerds. Everybody gets to see all the new tech stuff coming out. So um, to get things started, though, um, there is a lobbying group for Google, Amazon, and 40 other tech companies that are going to be uh, intervening in a net neutrality lawsuit against um, the FCC, FCC's and ISP's decisions to roll back ISPs and broadband rules. Because I don't, I think this is related. Um, this is this comes with uh, the broadband changes that they are planning on implementing now that they have already rolled back net neutrality in terms of they've already announced that plan and passed that. So does anybody want to kick off or? Uh, I can start with uh, something general. I think that this is something that a lot of people have been waiting to hear. Um, I, in my personal conversations following. Um, the push by the FCC to repeal net neutrality protections. I heard a lot of people saying, where's Google? Where's all these big name, Amazon, uh, Facebook, Netflix, where are they? Why are they not saying keep net neutrality around the people? That's what the people want. And here we have uh, the association that represents all of those groups coming out mm -hmm. and saying, we're going to fight this. So I'm actually... A little surprised at myself for doubting that this would happen, um, which I did. And it's nice yeah. to see them all unified and fighting to keep that free and open internet we all want. Mm -hmm. And this comes from this comes shortly after the the Netflix tweet. I don't know if you guys saw that towards the FCC where they said, um, in 2018, the internet is united. And this is also linked in the article. Right. The internet is united in defense of net neutrality. As for the FCC, we will see you in court. So <laughs> they're not... That's a change of... Yeah, well, Netflix was kind of... Um, when early talks of this net neutrality uh, repeal uh, was happening, Netflix CEO came out and said, yeah, we're not really worried about this point. We're too big now that to worry about it. And there was a huge backlash when the CEO said that, right? Yeah, we actually they, covered yeah. that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And now it's interesting that they're changing it, right? Because the, the whole backlash, right? They have to support this. Yeah. Because it's meant to protect the little guys. Yeah, now Netflix is big and they made all the right deals and, and they don't have to worry about this, but everyone else does, right? Because they have the pockets to pay if for extra uh, priority over other traffic over the internet. But... Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. This yeah, is for the internet as a whole. Yeah, and they're it says they're criticizing the the will of a bipartisan majority of Americans, and they say that the rules. This is from uh, Michael Beckerman, the CEO of IA, which is the representative of Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Um, he says they failed to preserve a free and open internet, and um, anybody who has read through these open pages and looked over the past history, which we've covered in countless episodes now and countless <laughs> articles 
of net neutrality. Um, this is just evident of poorly planned and unknowledgeable um, rules being pushed forward. Like the, I don't know if you guys heard about the broadband rule that's um, that they're attempting to roll through now. Um, the one stating that any service that can provide greater than or equal to 10 megabit per second download and one megabit per second upload is labeled as broadband now instead of a much higher number, um, which is fine if you're one person, but and one person with one device, but that's not, that's not realistic for a normal household of the nuclear family with their devices, especially with all the home smart tech that's coming out now that requires internet. Yep. But, um, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this and following it closely because I'm, I want to see where this goes because, uh, this is, it's good to see these companies standing up for their, their consumer base. And it, probably has some vested interest in, in them keeping this done too because it'll allow their services to run more effectively if ISPs can keep up with their demands. So this probably benefits them as much as it benefits the consumer. Absolutely. And they're probably thinking, you know, your Amazon, your Google are probably thinking about things like those smart devices, Matt, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, cutting into your overall bandwidth. And if everyone's putting these in their home, if they want to keep selling these products as something you can use easily, they're going to need to make sure that everyone has that bandwidth to do so yeah it's um i'm excited to see where this goes so i'm sure that as we hear more updates we'll be sending them out and talking about them every week so yeah so uh but moving into some other good news we have um border agent searches of travelers iphones have skyrocketed in over the past year so the this comes from the Washington, the Wall Street Journal saying that uh, the Customs and Border Protection Agency searched a record number of cell phones and other devices at the U.S. points of entry last year. So most of these travelers, um, I think we were talking a little bit about this during the pre-show, are non-U.S. citizens. So kind of smells a little bit of profiling. And uh, it's not a good look for U.S. customs. Yeah, it says in the article, more than 80% of the devices belong to foreign or legal permanent residents with uh, less than one in five owned by a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the agency of office field operations, the, the deputy executive assistant commissioner for the agency of, of field operations says, in this digital age, border, border searches of electronic devices are essential to enforcing the law of the U.S. border and to protecting the American people. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't like it. And it says they can only examine information stored on the device, not additional data in the mm-hmm. cloud. Yeah, that's a new uh, written policy that was um, made uh, recently. Previously, they could search anything uh, that was in the cloud as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you had like your Google Drive app on your phone, they can go into that and look through that. But now, uh, according to the now it's a written down rule that they cannot without any uh, reasonable uh, s- uh, suspicion. Right. So um, I guess a general rule of thumb to anybody traveling would be to use a burner phone something that doesn't have any devices or any data on it that you deem valuable or something that this could even just be protecting your privacy it doesn't necessarily have to mean you're a bad actor 
if you just don't want people digging through your personal files or your photos or Mm -hmm. anything you may have or getting any as i know it's common for people to use the same password across multiple services um if for some reason they're lying and saying that because they say the passwords aren't to be retained in any way um if for some reason that's a flat-out lie then it's important to kind of clean your device a little bit before you go um Mm -hmm. And if you lock your device, uh, lock it with a password instead of a PIN or with a fingerprint. I'm interested what this means, additional data in the cloud. So let's say if you have your Facebook app. Can they just launch the Facebook app and look through your Facebook and look through your messages? Or do that, that counts as the cloud? Well, maybe, right, that's, maybe, that's that's point. maybe the device gets put on airplane mode and then they can see what you have on the device already in Facebook. Hmm. You know, it's like you can't load new data. I don't know, but... This is yeah. this is some fishy fishy stuff. Um, I mean, where does this stop? Can they, if you have a flash drive on you, do they get to plug that in your computer and check what's on there? Um, uh, probably. I, I don't think it re- limits uh, that at all. Um, also, there's been some um, news of that. Um, well, not news, but there's been this saying that going around that uh, they are. Uh, legally required to you to um, allow you to you can unlock your phone right if they request that you unlock your phone with your fingerprint um, you can uh, but if you have to enter a password you can refuse legally yeah. you have the right to do that mm-hmm. uh, if you have a laptop I don't know if still that still stands so let's say you reboot your phone that has a finger fingerprint center fingerprint uh, sensor every time you reboot it won't recognize the fingerprint you have to enter your passcode or a pin code before you can actually use your fingerprint right well um, this that that was the 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 a recommendation from a lot of people is before you go through the checkpoint reboot your phone right because right. they have no legal right to um, make you enter that pin code well ios just added a new feature where yeah. you can hit a certain button combination and it forces mm-hmm. a password entry yeah so but um it looks like this uh, this policy says they can ask for your password now. Yeah, for a search. But that's why one, I was brought out. Like the, so I guess that doesn't. Yeah. Uh, the one change. thing, and I really hope this isn't the actual verbiage used in the policy. But they say under these rules, advanced searches are allowed if only there is quote reasonable suspicion and quote articulable facts to support it. Like I really hope that's not the actual verbiage because that's so vague. Like. That's basically the equivalent of an officer walking up to a police uh, up to a car after they pulled him over and saying they smell weed. Like I don't, I think that it, it just I think it, it it reeks of of abuse that that verbiage, especially with some of the horror stories that I've heard over the past couple of months and over the past year even of just people going through customs and traveling through the U.S. border and just. It, it, I don't know. I, I just really hope that's not what they actually go off of. And there's some much more clear and distinctive reasons to search someone more advanced. And if they do that advanced search, then it involves them connecting the device to a computer to retrieve and copy information off of the device. Right. So um, I just... I hope that's that this is going this this could very easily be abused and I really hope that they don't take that route. So but 
fun stuff, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but speaking of fun stuff, uh, SpaceX, <laughs> there's a little bit of news that I, I really don't know how to feel about this. Yeah. Um, so their latest advantage is, and I don't know if I'd call this an advantage, but they can automatically, through the use of onboard computers, blow up the, their own rocket going into space. So um, the premise of this problem is uh, an issue of in case if a rocket launch um, going off course by a substantial amount and risking a crash, um, there's usually how it is now. There's usually an engineer in the control room that sends a signal to the rocket, which blows up the rocket. And apparently SpaceX rockets can do it on its own. So I don't know that there better be some very good code between between a person going up into space and a rocket detonation if they're going to roll that into manned flights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm because sh- that, I'm sure that there was, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Uh, I also hope it can't be compromised where you can't like spoof coordinates or something. So it'll just mm-hmm. like have a competitor blow up SpaceX's rocket to get a leg up, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Because yeah, because yeah, they were saying uh, it has the, the 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 computer is called the automatic flight safety system, which debuted last year, and it says um, if the Falcon Nine rocket goes outside its prescribed bounds when launched from Cape Canaveral, it can activate its own self-destruct sequence. Um, so, there, this comes from. Uh, this comes from some recent changes to some flight patterns in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, this article mentions is considering launches to the polar orbits from Cape Canaveral, but the flight path is only viable if they don't need to be tracked for range safety reasons. So this means that SpaceX could be the only company who would be able to use that corridor into space because you don't need that person to keep track of the range. The rocket can do all of the monitoring itself, and if it goes off course, it blows up. And I mean... While SpaceX rockets exploding is really no new news to us, um, the ability for them to do it themselves in a controlled manner um, for at least unmanned flights is a potential huge advantage that this company could have if there's uh, routes into space. And I wasn't even aware that space travel was this complex with these different routes. I thought it was just a straight shot up. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what so I it's very yeah. It's, it's very dependent on where you're trying to go, um, yeah. what what type of orbit you're trying to. Because typically, yeah, it's it is over the ocean. But if this new polar orbit becomes more popular, it will take it over Miami and Cuba, right? And you don't want anything to go over go bad over those uh, heavily populated areas, yeah. and where the debris will fall down. So uh, you want to self destruct before it actually gets there. And um, this AI is supposedly faster than uh, what the decision-making that a human could do, which is now what it actually happens, right? They're monitoring the systems, and if it goes out of bounds, they have, a SpaceX has always, or every space, right? Every time you launch a rocket, rocket there is always a self-destruct button, right, in case of an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, but that previously was done by humans, so... The reason that they SpaceX did an AI is because it can read the data in real time from the rocket. It doesn't have to wait from the, for the data to come down to, to back to Earth. 
and uh, be analyzed by a human if it gets out of range of whatever that range might be that's not safe anymore and it still sees that hey yep i'm not over a populated area i can self-destruct safely right uh, it does it and there's um, a there's a couple other advantages too that come from this which the article goes on to mention they're saying that um this will allow them to undercut competitors by potentially tens of millions of dollars and because it the, the reason for that is that um the automated system means they don't have to pay for the full use of Air Force staff to be used on launch day. So they can reduce the workload um, and infrastructure by about 160 Air Force staff, which is an impressive advantage that you can offer over your competition. Yeah, even more than they already have now, which yeah. is they're already like they were already the cheapest thing to fly into space if you want to send something up there. But, yeah, and um, um, it's. It's crazy the the amount of savings that they're going to have from this if it if it works well and is dependable. Yeah. On a side note, the uh, SpaceX is launching a rocket today, later in today, um, yeah. in the next twelve hours. It's one of it's a super secret mission, so nobody has any idea what the actual payload is because it's a secret government project uh, from the U.S. So nobody has any idea what the actual uh, satellite does. Uh, but yeah, it's planned to launch later in. Uh, the day today, that's Sunday, January 7th, if you're listening to this live or listening to it later today. Um, and then Falcon Heavy, uh, which is their big rocket, is scheduled to launch at the end of this month, a test flight where they're going to send out, where Elon's going to send his uh, Roadster uh, to Mars. Um, nice. And so um, this, to- yeah, this actually is a good uh, move into the into the next part of this article, which is the the automated system makes it possible for them to fly multiple boosters at once. And that's good because it the Falcon Heavy requires multiple boosters in order mm-hmm. to launch. It's gonna require it's gonna launch with three reusable boosters that will fly back to Earth independently after launch. Right. Yep. So there's gonna be three of the, that's gonna be cool to watch. There's gonna be three <laughs> of those rockets landing yeah. at once. Two of those will be landing back on Earth at the same time, and then one of those is the one that's remaining has to go further out, so it has to land back on, um, on over the ocean, over the uh, drone ship. Uh, but yeah, it would be really awesome to um, watch. Uh, Elon Musk tweeted that it should be uh, spectacular either way if it goes well or if it goes horribly wrong, and all three of them <laughs> blow up. So um, it's, he's he's uh, not very up to well, he he's. Playing it safe, right? He he doesn't know it might all 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 the entire rocket might blow up, but either way, it's going to be spectacular. He said. Yeah, well, there's an even higher chance because if they go off course, then they're definitely going to blow up because they're right, doing yeah. that technology on that launch. Exactly, but they'll launch for so cheap. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that car inside that booster is priceless. That's Elon's personal Tesla Roadster. The very first one was made. Yeah. Number one serial number one. Oh man, are they gonna launch serial number two if this one blows up? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He probably has real serial number one in a garage somewhere. He just made a duplicate. Also, he put out a challenge. Uh, Someone tweeted him if uh, uh, if uh, someone can go to Mars and retrieve that roadster, can they keep it? And he said, "Yep." (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So, (laughs) challenge accepted. Was the reply from that person? (laughs) Oh my god. Um, now we're going to be reporting on that. Yeah, who's the, who's the person uh, 
next person is going to go to actually retrieve his uh, roaster from the orbit of Mars. That'll be us, the first I4 yes. episode hosted from a floating, orbiting Tesla roadster. That's true. <clears throat> Uh, that's that, that's exciting, and I'm I'm curious to see how this works because if it does work, then other companies are going to take this very seriously, and yeah, yeah, you're going to see savings across the board, especially if they open up that tech. I don't know if they're going to like they do with Tesla, but it will be interesting to see them open up this tech to other companies to to make space flight even cheaper so, across the board. While you're on that note of cheaper, I do want to bring up uh, something that's not just related to the actual flights here, but I'm curious to see how this is going to affect the industry in general. If you know, you see this, no need to pay for 160 U.S. Air Force staff to be there uh, on duty because now artificial intelligence is able to do that job. I'm curious to see mm-hmm. how this will affect industries like um, airlines, um, right? Or maybe airports will become automated. You won't need to see those people running around with the waving cones on the tracks telling you where to go and mm-hmm. or air traffic control. Yeah, air traffic control it. as well. Yeah, there's a lot of this. Um, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that maybe in the next. 10 or 20 years, you're not going to see those people on the runways anymore. Um, yeah. Just something I'd to put out there. Yeah. That most of the airport would be entirely automated. Yeah. Including the pilots? That would be an interesting proposition, it's, but I think that just for pure safety reasons, they're always going to have to have a person hey, on board. Hey, yeah. Irvin? If you had an AI, you could seal off the cockpit. The There already is AI controlling your plane and the pilot. Yeah. I, well, I know. Yeah, I the know. Pilot, most, like, most of the flight is, is not actual humans flying yet. I know. Yeah, exactly. Especially landing and takeoff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if, if you just if you're, something goes wrong. Yeah, if you're yeah. Wor- if you're worried about uh, computer controlling your flight, it already is. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it has been for years. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but um, India is having some problems. They sure are. Oh. Yeah, their national ID database is apparently accessible for less than ten dollars. Um, so yeah, you got access to that. <laughs> uh, reports suggest that the government's national ID system, Aadhaar, which holds personal data belonging to more than one billion people, was compromised. Um, oh. It wasn't down to hackers, at least in this occasion. It was publicized. Um, it was publicized after India newspaper The Tribune paid a man less than ten dollars in exchange for admin access to the database. <laughs> Good. So. <laughs> um, yeah, they gave them a username and a password, and they were able to access information on any citizen by entering in just a 12-digit number. So, cool. Um, and the article brings up an interesting thing. I never thought these people would be stepping into the tech news, but BuzzFeed tracked down the seller. Um, yeah, BuzzFeed has been stepping <laughs> up their um, news actual reporting, not just top 10 lists of of the cutest cats on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Top ten of the top ten crazy attacks across the world. They're still doing the cats, but they're doing <laughs> they this are. too. Yes, there's but. a tap for cats. <laughs> but um, they called reports of the breach fake news. Uh, the the ruling party they called that whole thing fake news. So, hmm. um, gaining access by paying a third party isn't really a breach. They say um, it's just a very messed up system that can happen when a government uses a string of contractors, and this is the direct quote from the article, to manage a highly sensitive project. Um, it's, and it's important to note that it's not, this ID system isn't mandatory, um, but there has been a massive campaign to sign up citizens to this. Um, 
and it's been incorporated in a range of services such as school enrollment, uh, ration disbursements, and other national government projects. So Facebook even embraced it with a pilot that uh, encourages new users to provide details from their identification. So um, it's looking like that uh, these national ID systems are needing a bit of security um, auditing in order to be proven. So I know that uh, I think we reported earlier in the year on Denmark's ID system that had a hack in it um, that was using an older form of encryption, which now uses um, similar forms of encryption to services such as LastPass, um, which is the top of the line state of the art encryption. So it would be good to see these systems, especially if they're going to be enrolled out on a national level to be safe <laughs> i don't know if that's asking too much <laughs> define but, safe yeah yeah that's it's an important thing to note but um the government shouldn't just call this fake news um especially if it is real they should seriously consider um some better security practices in general and um maybe maybe uh, one of them can purchase a a username and find out for themselves if it's actually real information or not because uh, this is this is big especially if it's a billion people it's almost as big as the yahoo hack seems like uh this program's got a lot of issues at least in yeah. in the words of the citizens mm -hmm. some... yeah they were saying go ahead the i was saying they were saying the data collection is not constitutional and tons of warnings over security so I don't know if you saw anything else or if you had a chance to open up one of the other articles they had linked in in this or not. Yeah, but. there's some more non necessarily technical things like that they're forcing people into this by like not feeding them or something along those lines. Oh my Go god. Because they're they're being denied government benefits of I guess being given food and like apparently a couple individuals have died of starvation as a result of not having rations given to their family. Oh my god. Yeah, so this seems a lot heavier than just a data breach. <laughs> and I guess that explains the massive campaign to sign citizens up. Yeah. Like, not to put that on a dark note. No, that, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's awful. It's odd to me that if that was taking place that Facebook wouldn't kind of tie those two together. Yeah. Their, their campaign would be to test linking your new account with those ID details, but not care about rationing families. I, maybe I don't know enough about the story, but... Yeah, but um, either way, there's... And the article even mentions that there's a lot of uncertainty following these reports. Um, but they... And I totally agree with the footer of the article. India's citizens deserve a much better response from their government than an accusation of fake news. Yeah. I think so, that's a statement that applies to a lot of countries in the world. Yeah. They just don't just dismiss it and do the whataboutisms and um, just push things away, even if they're fake. Um, offer empirical evidence that proves it fake. Yeah. Tell me it's fake, but prove it too. That's all. It's not hard to ask. <laughs> but to roll into a better topic... Uh, not much, but yeah. a little happier. Yeah, um, a little and happier. And something that isn't fake. Uh, the biggest nerd convention of the year is upon us. 
mm. as of January 9th. Um, that'll be this Tuesday from the time of this recording. Um, so Officially, the- some some keynotes are actually starting today. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's open to the public on the 9th. Uh, but we should start hearing actual news coming out. It's starting to later today. Uh, One of these sure. years, I would like to go as a as a tech journalist to CES. Yeah, that'd be uh, quite fun. Okay. Google put up a uh, actual slide. They have a slide. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's some big companies, just as like Google, um, that are going to be joining in on this announcement too. There's talks scheduled from Ford, Intel. Huawei, Verizon, Qualcomm, Hulu, YouTube, which is the Google. Um, there's a ton, a ton of people, and it look, it's looking like the. And for those of you who have not heard of CES, um, it's the Consumer Electronics Show. Um, it's kind of just the, uh, it's the big once a year tech conference and convention where all the big companies go and display their prettiest new toys for the year, or detail their direction that the company is going to be going in or talking about new tech that's not only going to influence their company but all companies in the industry so for example i think the big talks this year are going to be ai focused whether it's smart speakers car integration um just vr and ar and and mr which is mixed reality um and the other one is going to be 5G because we saw a little bit of 5G in last year's CES, but I think this year that's going to be center stage. You're going to see uh, self-driving cars through 5G and a lot of the mobile division of CES is going to be focused on 5G. But is there anything that either one of you guys is excited for or want no. to talk about with CES? Because this is this is looking to be a very good show. Yeah, Um Irvin, I don't know if you want to lead off, but I definitely want to talk about the smart home and voice control in homes. Um, this, okay, this this is, I think, going to be a huge topic because I don't know about any of our listeners or you two, but um, I could not go a day without hearing something about an Alexa or an Echo or a Google Home over the holidays. Um, mm-hmm. People in my family and other families that I've visited um, that are not necessarily high up on list of people who are involved in tech are getting these devices and are obsessed with them and loving them and talking about, oh, I should get one in every room and it can control my light bulbs. And now they're saying it can control your mirror and, uh, you know, heat up your toilet seat for you, like all this different stuff that's going to be coming around uh, coming down the pipe. We didn't put this in the show notes, but uh, Google just announced that they sold a one Google Home, either Mini or the regular Google Home, a second uh, from the announcement uh, or when the Google Mini, Google Home Mini was announced, I think. Right. Um, Which is oh ins- it's an, yeah, yeah, up an until insane. The Christmas, or up until the New Year's, they sold one every second. And that's just um, Google. What was the, just, yeah. do you remember the statistic too on Amazon? I know it's their, their highest selling products are the, the Echo Dots. Was it yeah. like over 25 million devices or something like that? I it's, thought it was, yeah. a, it was a number in the 20 millions, I thought. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, overall, it's a lot. So you're seeing these in basically a gigantic amount of homes throughout the world and our nation. And this has gone from something that was um, a 
you know, a dream. Oh, I can control my music in my house with my voice. Now it's happening all across the world. And mm-hmm. I think it's um, really bringing people into that world of um, voice control and hands-free control and definitely automation and, um, you know, the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. It, it's coming into your home and you're seeing it everywhere. I th- I'm yeah. really excited to see what they talk about at CES this year regarding what products are coming, um, what the plans are from each company for the smart home, which will have what voice integration. Um, you know, it's just, it, this is out there, this is happening. I just want to see what direction they're hinting at taking it in. Yeah. And we saw some cars last year that had um, the Echo integration in it. So I'm 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 wondering if this year we'll see cars with both the Echo integration and the Google Assistant integrated into it as well. Mm-hmm. So you may see cars step in the other direction. Yeah, uh, Amazon just announced that they opened up their SDK to have the Echo uh, built into um, headphones now, just like the Google um, Home or mm-hmm. Google Now is. That was announced a couple um, months ago. Um, and also wearable devices, so the people could just build apps on the on smartwatches that gives them uh, access to uh, the Echo uh, service. I don't want to say the A word and trigger anybody's Echo. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of new integrations, and p- like we mentioned, a lot of more people are, are getting access to these devices and getting they're getting used to controlling things by their voice, and now. Uh, they're getting more and more comfortable. So if uh, companies are comfortable putting out all these devices that have um, these um, assistants already built into it, so they're used to uh, them using it on uh, their actual device, or the device that they got for Christmas perhaps, um, they can now use it pretty much anywhere in their house. I know I sent you an article earlier in the week, uh, Matt, that uh, Kohler, I don't know how to pronounce it, yeah, Kohler, yeah, the the people who manufacture um, uh, faucets and, and things for your bathroom <laughs> is getting into the smart home business yep. as well. They're releasing smart mirrors. They already announced at CES they're going to be showing them off. Uh, smart mirrors or smart devices meant to be uh, used um, in um, your uh, bed bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, I think we're going to see a ton of stuff in. Um, in smart devices. And I wonder if we're going to see any Cortana speakers because Microsoft has been very silent about their uh, technology and has only really thus far integrated it into Windows products. Uh, yeah, there are a couple devices out with Cortana capability, but there aren't much. But yeah, I'm curious to see if how big. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a good gauge of to see the ratio of, of Echo, Google Home, and, and Cortana to see which one's more popular. Like, what what companies are focusing on developing mm-hmm. um, maybe they're developing for both for echo and google home because i know cortana just launched recently so might not be popular yet mm-hmm. also the big one that was recent that the that was delayed right the home pod apple's own yep. uh, field into this was was supposed to be released end of last year um but it was delayed and we have we don't we still don't know when it's actually going to be released but that should be a, a pretty big player in this uh, space as well. But I know that Apple doesn't really participate in CES at all. Um, no. I wouldn't be surprised if they announce a, a budget speaker by the end of the year also. 
Um, because I'm my I, I'm thinking, and this could happen, it may not happen. I'm thinking that Apple will probably overhaul Siri at some point in the year because they had kind of teased at it over the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, with the improved voice of Siri and some additional um, improvements to how its querying works, but um, I'm kind of banking on the fact that I'll bet that Apple is has got something at least in the in the in the works for the they, future. They have to, right? I know yeah. Jeff, you just recently switched over from iOS, and yeah. you I don't know how much you use Siri, but now you have access to Google uh, now uh, the Google Assistant. Uh, I don't know how what you're going to say anything about the comparison between the two, but from what I've heard, um, yeah, Siri is not up to par for any of those. No, not nearly close um, in my personal experience. I used to try and do things with Siri that it just didn't know. It came back like, I don't know what you're talking about. And now when I have the Google Assistant, I'll say it in most things it can do for me. It's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Yeah, when I've spoken to people who've, um, use Siri as their primary assistant through the day. It's primarily for setting like reminders and alarms and for like doing the voice to text for like text messages and stuff like that. And that's really it. That's about as far as it goes. Yeah. Anything else? It's like, oh, I, c- I can search. On- Here's what I found on the web. That- that's yep. like all it says for-, for that stuff. It'll just search it on, was it Bing or Google or, but. Yeah, so I'm thinking that they need to to make a push, but it may not be at CES. It's a, but it's Google, by the, the other, way. Yeah, the other thing that I'm thinking is going to be a big push that we're going to see is uh, VR and AR, and more importantly, MR. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know we've seen Google launch um, AR Core or AR Core and Apple's um, AR Kit, um, and all these things that have come out over the past year, but. I think that it's really going to come to form this year with things such as um, Oculus Go. And um, it, the article details that uh, Qualcomm is going to be uh, showing off its Snapdragon 835 dev kit and bringing, like I just mentioned, Oculus Go on board with things such as that. So yeah. the 835 yeah. is a powerful processor and it, <clears throat> it's built with AR and VR and AI in mind. So. I'm curious to see where VR and AR is going to go because I think AR is going to be the big killer and MR, which is, like I said earlier, mixed reality, kind of like how Google's AR stickers and stuff like it and Pokemon Go and um, as these various services upgrade and enhance their ability to um, to be used in smaller and smaller products. I'm excited to see where VR goes. And Yeah, HEC uh, uh, put out a tweet uh, earlier uh, I think Friday of this week, that tomorrow they're going to make a, a new uh, announcement on potentially the the Vive 2.0. Um, it's the the tweet said New Year's resolution, suggesting that it might be a higher resolution Vive. Um, oh man! So the announcement is tomorrow on the eighth. Um, so I'm I'm gonna uh, keep that tab open on my computer yep. uh, <laughs> to see what they're gonna be announcing. Um, yeah. yeah, it'd be great to see a higher resolution uh, display on the Vive. Do you know what time the announcement is by any chance? I don't know. It's okay. all they, all it says on this on their page is one eight eighteen. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, New Year's resolution is the title of it, which yeah definitely suggests that it has to do something with <laughs> resolution increase. I hope. Uh, oh, perhaps boy. it could also be uh, wireless. Um, 
it could have native eye tracking as well. That would be important. Yeah. Um, and of course, higher resolution. And it could support Valve's upcoming Steam VR tracking 2.0, um, which it should improve the tracking of it. Um, mm-hmm. um, sure. random, random question for you guys. Um, do you think we're going to see anything more from Google's Project Jacquard? This year, at CES, <laughs> I know. Is that, that, is that the 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 jeans and the the jacket? Well, that's the specific Levi yeah that they made. But mm-hmm. more specifically, Project Jacquard is a smart fabric, which yeah. can be used to detect gestures and retrieve information from like touches and stuff. Um, a truly smart wearable, right? Yes, <laughs> truly is wearable. Yes, <laughs> but um. I'm, do you guys think we're going to see anything? Because I know last year we saw some like smart shoes and smart shirts and Google's jacket, the Levi Traveler, I think it was called. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, yeah. It's a cool concept, but uh, on their website, they do say, yeah, you, you can't wash it like more than X amount of times. I don't even know what yeah. that well, is. I don't know many people who wash a jacket that much in that video. Uh, so. True, mm. but... but I'm I'm curious to see if anything, if we see anything from Project Jacquard. You know, because Google's going there. So I wouldn't count it out, Matt, but I don't yeah. think it's going to be the highlight of their appearance. <laughs> no, <laughs> it will not be. Yeah, but um, it's also a four hundred dollar jacket. Yeah, well, that's not too bad for jackets. <laughs> if you're gonna get like a crazy nice jacket. But then again, you can get the same thing for like what two hundred dollars, hundred fifty, or something like that. If you yeah. don't have Project Your Cards built into it, but like jackets can get more expensive than four hundred dollars. But I don't know about denim jackets. <laughs> denim, <laughs> bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is going to be five G, especially in the mobile department. I think we're going to start seeing the first phones with five G support rolling out, as well as um, I think we. We mentioned it a couple of times before um, that new uh, GPS chipset that's going to be rolled out into smartphones this year, which is going to be a much more accurate GPS. I think you're going to see that rolled into other devices. Um, TVs. Yeah, TVs are always big on during CES. <laughs> you're going to see a lot of 8K TVs for sure. Oh, yeah. I wonder if we're going to um, see more than 8K. Uh, probably, but not available for the public or not any reasonable prices for sure. It depends yeah, what you, what meaning you, you have behind C because you can look at it, but you won't be able to comprehend it with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> You'll just see a bunch of people like all struck staring yeah. at giant TVs. Yeah. Um, also, what are you going to watch on those 8K TVs? Because literally nothing is 8K at the moment. Yeah. yeah. When Except LG... for MKBHD videos. <laughs> yeah. When LG debuted the... Um... The 8K TV at last year's CES, the only thing they had to put on it was a slideshow of 8K images. They didn't even have <laughs> videos yet. So it was just like uh, there wasn't even any video ready for it. So maybe there will be. They'll just play MKBHD on a loop yeah. <laughs> on all the, <laughs> on all the uh, TVs. We all need to upgrade to uh, red uh, red uh, cameras, the $50,000 yeah. camera. Yeah, um, that's it. That's, that's, all, that's all we need. Yeah. yeah, simple upgrade, but, you know, no big deal. So, um, just I, take a mortgage on your camera. <laughs> okay. I do have uh, one one kind of technology, or at least a merging of two technologies that I'd be excited to see, though I'm not uh, entirely optimistic for it happening. Irvin, you were mentioning uh, that smart mirror earlier, I think. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to see stuff like that um, in terms of the home automation and uh, voice control mixed in with augmented reality. I think it'd be really cool if you had something that used a camera, like like that mirror to like take a picture of you, and then you'd see what an outfit looks like you on a mirror. Like you don't have to wear a headset or anything. So I, I, it would have to be able to display it, not really reflect it, you know. And then right. based on that that image maybe overlay clothes on you um if you could see more things like that if you could try and imagine what other avenues uh technology could take in the merging of those two augmented reality and you know the the home automation voice control um that would really wow me obviously because that would be a giant leap into the future um and i guess one other thing that is a, a personal one is I'd like to see what they say about the Google Daydream, just because I want to learn where that project's headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see. Especially, also, robotics, too, is another thing that I'm excited to see as well. Yeah, sure. uh, robotics. Uh, in terms of what? <laughs> you want um, more robots? Roombas everywhere. <laughs> Roombas everywhere. <laughs> I want all the Roombas. Uh no, but I, I think they're going to see, like, uh, I know we saw a couple of robot assistants. Um, it would be cool if we saw robots like that, the little, almost like home droids. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To like a Star no, Wars yeah. reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple of them that debuted last year. I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but um, I'm fair, I'm almost positive you're going to see some robot assistants with, like, adorable faces running around CES. <laughs> and, also, like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was, I was done. I was just wrapping that up. So I'm very curious of how uh, Intel's booth is going to look. Uh, <laughs> yes, this it's year. Gonna, it's just going to be a fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Intel CEO is uh, giving a, a keynote uh, speech um, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so curious to see that. That's a little preview for our episode later in the week. We're going to deep dive into the recent news about Intel chips, not in particular. Also, other chips are affected, but mainly Intel chips of the recent uh, security uh, threats. It's just going to be him. Spectre and and Meltdown. Um, Yeah, there's a pretty big news, and we're going to take a deep dive into our new i4 explains series later in the week. Yes. It's just going to be him with a chalkboard on stage saying what I learned in security <laughs> school is over and over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, there will be a, a, a pyre where you can go and throw your chip in and it'll make it better mm-hmm. by burning it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Delid uh, your chip by splitting it in half right, and throwing exactly. it away. Here's a giant magnet. Dude, we'll, yeah. we'll look away. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so optimistic. That's fine. It's fair to be optimistic like that. Thanks, Matt. But, yeah. But a, a callback to um, to the just some of the numbers for CES. Uh, on their homepage, they have CES by the numbers for 2017. 184,000 plus in attendance with 4,000 exhibiting companies with 1.2 thousand speakers. So... Anybody paying attention who wants to get a sense of, who doesn't fully understand what CES is or is unfamiliar with it, uh, just to give you a sense of scale. So this is the biggest tech show around the world. Um, and it, they've been doing it for 50 years. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody has not or has heard of this. Um, so yeah. 
So we're but, keeping an eye on it. We'll be posting on our Facebook uh, page of any news that might come out. I like to look for hidden gems during CES. Not like the big stuff that literally everyone's talking about, but like uh, just just small things, companies that are doing, not big name companies, but because that most of the time that's where the innovation happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, new stuff, they're trying new things. Um, a lot also no, to note during CES, anything you see might not actually be real or be <laughs> released anytime soon. The company might say, I was like, yeah, we're launching later in 2018. Yeah, I don't don't take that with a grain of salt every time they say that because a lot of times a lot of the products that they announce or show off during CES never actually see the light of day. Yeah, 4,000 um, exhibiting companies, 3,000 of which are vaporware. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but we'll be posting stuff on our social media of the interesting things that we might find. So keep tuned for that. Um, yeah, yeah, should be a good show. Should be interesting news coming out of it for sure. I'm sure we'll have much more news at the end of the week on some of the bigger takeaways from CES. Yeah, so, definitely. I'm definitely going to try to break down what I think is at least going to survive past the 12th. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. I'm excited to see um, who comes in the CES and what people bring to the table. It's always fun to just watch people walking around the floor just exploring the craziest booths that are there because you get some wild booths that come through. But, yeah. yeah. So, unless anybody has any closing points, I think that um, rounds off the episode. Yep, thanks for joining us. Um, and I guess I'd like to leave off by just saying that if you have anything you're looking forward to at CES or any technology that you'd like us to focus on in our follow-up episode, um, do let us know via one of the social media platforms. Uh, we do like to hear back from our listeners and viewers. Yeah, and as for those social media platforms, uh, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and basically all of the social media platforms, YouTube as well as Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, we're streaming live on Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch um, weekdays on Sunday for the episodes. Um, and we pub- will publish an episode typically two days a week now, with is the new format. So we got the main show on Sunday and the, um, the deep dive on Wednesdays. So uh, with that being said, this has been episode 33 and i look forward to seeing you guys in the next one